Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I want to be very clear up front, it should not have been this way. Now, the effort to get Americans out of Afghanistan is gaining momentum. Sources tell CNN the U.S. is completely now pulling out of the embassy in Kabul. You have helicopters moving personnel from the mission to the airport, which is against what President Joe Biden said would happen. What you're looking at is video, CNN's shot of some of the helicopters that are shuttling employees from the embassy. The withdrawal decision is completely defensible by the Biden administration. The implementation and the handling is what's been lacking. And I'm hearing this from U.S. officials, from activists, from Afghans themselves. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, I'm Alex Ward. I'm a national security reporter at Politico and also the anchor of our National Security Daily newsletter. Alex Ward on the fall of Kabul. Alex, we are less than a month away from the date when President Biden said, all U.S. troops would be withdrawn from Afghanistan. Um, at this point, the Taliban has essentially completed a sweep of the country. Kabul, the capital, has fallen. How did we get to where we are today? Well, we have to go back even before the Biden administration, right? So you have President Donald Trump make a deal with the Taliban in which he said the U.S. wants to leave. I'll be meeting personally with Taliban leaders in the not-too-distant future. And we'll be very much hoping that they will be doing what they say they're going to be doing. They will be killing terrorists. And we will leave by May 1st if all conditions are met. We've had tremendous success in Afghanistan in the killing of terrorists, but it's time after all these years to go and to bring our people back home. We want to bring our people back home. And uh, again, it's been... The plan has long been in together, out together. Then President Biden came into office and he said a few months later after he entered the White House, he said, I want out under no conditions. U.S. troops as well as forces deployed by our NATO allies and operational partners will be out of Afghanistan before we mark the 20th anniversary of that heinous attack on September 11th. Basically meaning that it didn't really matter what the Taliban was doing, the U.S. was going to leave, and he picked September 11th as a withdrawal date. The Taliban took advantage of that moment and they encircled tons of urban areas and and positioned fighters elsewhere and it looked like they were ready for, you know, whenever they, they were going to launch it, an all-out assault uh, around the country. The Afghan army is quickly losing ground throughout the country to the Taliban. Now, to bolster its flagging military, the government is arming militias to help in the fight. And that, by the way, it should be said, this was the expectation. The expectation was that if the U.S. left Afghanistan and foreign uh, troops also left, that the Taliban would do a takeover, right? This isn't the surprising part. The surprising part is the speed. And that's what's caught everyone off guard. They started by taking a, a provincial capital of Zaranj just over a week ago. Right, the Taliban have captured the capital of Afghanistan's Nimruz province as they step up their offensive across the country. Earlier in the day, gunmen shot 
and killed the head of uh, the Afghan government's media and information center. And really, they've taken almost every provincial capital since, um, with Kabul really the last main one to fall. As the situation on the ground in Kabul rapidly deteriorates, U.S. forces there are rushing to evacuate all personnel from the embassy. There are images online coming out right now inside Kabul, the presidential palace overrun by the Taliban. As you noted, U.S. officials have confirmed to Fox News that Afghan President Ashraf Ghani fled the country. Uh, so at this point, you've basically seen a complete collapse of the Afghan military, of Afghan authority in just over a week or so. The blistering Taliban gains have reportedly taken some U.S. officials by surprise. But many this week, including President Biden, have kept the focus on the Afghan government's need to defend itself. They've got to fight for themselves. It has simply stunned everyone in the U.S. and around the world, and it is arguably already one of the most successful guerrilla and insurgent campaigns in history. I mean, think about it. You have a militant group that, in a matter of, you know, days, not only looks like it's going to depose a government, but a government backed by a major foreign power. It's, it's quite stunning. How was the Taliban able to do this so quickly? And, like, how were U.S. officials caught by such surprise? Can blame be placed anywhere here? This is a, you know, a pretty big question here, and, it's, and that the, we should be honest, it's unclear. The, the current signs are, are this, though. One is everyone missed just how, you know, strong the Taliban were and how organized they were and how perhaps how much of the country didn't really want to fight for a quote-unquote Afghan state. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, the Afghan military that had been trained by the U.S. at the tune of billions of dollars and lives lost and over, you know, 20 years just wasn't up to the task and simply did not want to uh, fight, you know, tooth and nail uh, for their country in multiple areas and uh, didn't really have the support that they needed when they were propped up by U.S. and NATO forces for years. Mm. That's not to say that there aren't valiant fighters in the Afghan military and people who, who are fighting for their homeland, but it just is not at the large enough scale to, to stop them. And the other is it looks like shrewd planning by the Taliban where they made political deals that perhaps it looks like had been talking to important members of Afghan society for a while, had a strong military campaign planned out. Mm -hmm. And I think fourth, you have to consider a lack of uh, implementation and planning by the Biden administration. Uh, they decided to do the withdrawal in the middle of the fighting season, right? As opposed to when it's incredibly harsh conditions in Afghanistan and, and fighting usually winds down. The withdrawal during this time made it possible, you know, there was a vacuum that the Taliban could fill when they would be fighting anyway. And when they usually, you know, rack up the most casualties and, and, and do the most violence. So, you know, the, the failure in Afghanistan has, has many parents. Uh, but what's led to this past week uh, it seems to be a, sort of a combination of those four things. But, you know, it'll take a lot of time to really dissect what we're witnessing. Does this situation change the calculation for the Biden administration at all here? It really doesn't look like it. I mean, President Biden has doubled down even with a statement on Saturday saying, you know, even one more year or five more years wouldn't have changed the situation on the ground. You know, he's does not want to pass on American involvement in Afghanistan's war to another president. He's the fourth one to handle it. So it doesn't look like there's going to be a, a change in position as in, as in, you know, the U.S. military is going to go back into the war and fight off the Taliban. 
it's a bit too late for that anyway. Thinking back to how the U.S. entered Afghanistan at the start of this war 20 years ago and how part of the goal of what the U.S. was doing there was to keep the Taliban at bay and how now, two decades later, the Taliban has taken over the capital city, an emergency evacuation of of the U.S. embassy of U.S. officials there was forced by this situation. I mean... I can't help but think of all of the people who are asking, what has been the point of any of this? How are you making sense of this moment? I mean, that's such a massive question. Look, the U.S. military went into Afghanistan initially for a counterterrorism mission, which it did quite successfully. You know, it's not Osama bin Laden is dead. Uh, Al-Qaeda is diminished in Afghanistan. But there are a bunch of terrorist groups still in the country. Um, and al-Qaeda in Afghanistan still exists, even with an ISIS contingent. So, you know, it's not like te- there there isn't a terrorism concern in Afghanistan. And the U.S. military says it will continue to fight terrorists in Afghanistan, but basically through bombardments. Um, but then it changed into turning Afghanistan into, you know, a, a democratic nation with uh, Western-style um, governance and values, and that's not to say that there were that there weren't there were some people who were interested in that, right? Especially in Afghanistan. Um, and there's no question that after 20 years, you know, there were improvements in the lives of women and minorities and a bunch of people. But we failed <laughs> to transfer our our own sort of system of governance to that country. Um, we failed in training a military that would defend such a government. We failed in transforming the society completely. We failed in keeping the Taliban at bay. And then we failed at really planning for the worst case situation when we decided to leave. It's, you know, we did it with good intentions, but as they say, the road to hell is made with good intentions. And we are at the you know last exit, it looks like, on the road to hell for the American mission. But that road to hell continues um, for the people of Afghanistan. Alex Ward, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today, opponents of the federal government's pandemic-related eviction ban are asking a federal court to block the latest version of the policy, which the Biden administration rolled out under pressure after allowing an earlier version to expire. Landlords in two chapters of the National Association of Realtors asked the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals for, quote, immediate action to prevent enforcement of the moratorium issued by the CDC. The dispute, which seems certain to be resolved by the Supreme Court, looks likely to get a ruling from the D.C. Circuit by the end of the week. And... The director of the National Institutes of Health is playing down undocumented immigrants as a major factor in the pandemic. Speaking to Fox News over the weekend, Francis Collins said it is an issue, but, quote, is certainly not the cause of our current dilemma. His comments come after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis recently blamed undocumented immigrants for a rise in COVID cases. Collins acknowledged the virus could inevitably spread among migrants, even with masking requirements that are in place, but emphasized that it's not the force behind the current rise in cases, that U.S. leaders should focus on Americans who've refused to receive a vaccine. 
Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, tell a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.